0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, December 17th. Criticism surrounding Quebec's controversial Bill 21 continues to grow and Calgary's mayor has joined other city councillors in backing the idea of contributing money to a legal fund that would push back against the legislation. So we talked to Mayor Jody Gondek about the controversial idea.
1: With the UK reporting the highest number of cases since the COVID-19 pandemic began, we asked UK broadcaster and business owner Kenny James about the government's push for booster shots and the fallout from the climbing numbers.
0: Tornadoes that tore through Kentucky and increasingly high COVID numbers in Republican-backed states. We discuss all the headlines from south of the border with Washington Bureau Chief
1: for Global News, Jackson Prosco. Alberta is supplying residents with free rapid COVID-19 test kits. We check in with Amin Kanji, pharmacist and owner of the Southwest Medicine Shop, to find out about the slow rollout to pharmacies and how we actually use these kits at home. Well, Calgary is considering joining the legal battle against Quebec's controversial Bill 21. With details on this and all uh, having to do with Calgary and City Hall, we're joined by Mayor Jyoti Gondek for the last time this year. Is that right, Madam Mayor? You're taking off next Friday?
2: You know what? If you want me on, I can join you next oh, Friday. Okay. Don't say that because we'll it's sign you up. It's we, a date. It's official. We would miss you.
1: Um, well, we can talk a little more Christmassy and, uh, you know, thoughts into the new year, maybe uh, next Friday. But let's get down to this. And when we have talked about it, bits and pieces about this, uh, Calgary getting on board, we've had quite the light up on the text line. So tell us about this this plan to help fund the legal challenge to Quebec's Bill 21. Is Is this a done deal that we're going to be sending some bucks?
2: Well, so this week, Mayor Patrick Brown from Brampton sent out um, a tweet, and uh, I had a conversation with him, and we decided that it was important to send a strong signal that we won't stand for this in our nation, and there's a lot of people questioning why municipalities are getting involved in this way. When there's absence of action from the federal government, this is what we've decided to push. It is not a done deal on the money yet. That is something that is coming to Council on Monday.
0: I am sure you will not be surprised to know that on our text line, we have had a lot of people who are unhappy with the thought of sending money to Quebec, uh, uh, especially after a property tax increase that we're seeing and people having a tough year and a half or so and thinking, if you want to fund this, this is the general consensus, it should come out of your paycheck. How do you feel about that?
2: I've seen those same texts and emails. I've seen the same thing on social media. And as I've said, it is not a done deal yet. What we are absolutely hoping is that the federal government comes to its senses and intervenes as it should have a long time ago. Um, what else, well, the other thing I can tell you is when we took action in 2019 and made a clear st- statement that we did not agree with Bill 21, nothing happened. And now you've got people losing their jobs and not able to exercise what their fundamental rights are as Canadians. So nothing's a done deal yet, but if you don't send a strong message, nothing happens.
1: Let's, talk, let's switch gears, and this is something that's not going to be happening anytime soon with the roads and what we're seeing here. Not exactly street racing weather, but Councillor Andre Chabot uh, put forward uh, you know, this proposal to have street racing somewhat legalized in the city, but you know, controlled, uh, defeated t- Tuesday. Are, are we done with this, or is this something that could come back and, and have some legs?
2: Well, it was an interesting conversation. I think sometimes what happens is people operate on, on former procedures. And Councillor Chabot brought this forward because typically what happened at council in the past was you'd bring a motion arising and everyone would go, oh, that's interesting, and have a big, giant debate and uh, give some direction to administration. That's not the way we're moving. We are making strategic decisions, determining what needs to be done, and allowing administration to perform their role In a most efficient manner so we were a bit surprised by his notice of motion but ultimately it came out that what he was trying to do is increase safety of the public on roads where people are racing now that's something we could all get behind Mm -hmm. but the second part of it of creating a pseudo speedway was what we could not get behind so he and i have agreed to talk some more he would be engaging with his colleagues and we may have something different come at a later time
0: You know, and I I like that. I think even though the idea was shot down at this point, the fact that we're opening up discussions and thinking outside the box, and I think that's a positive thing with the new council that we have, Mayor, and with yourself, just, you know, ideas that are outside the box. Now, not everybody's going to agree on everything, but we need to do come up with some new ideas and some new concepts. Some might work, some might not, and I think that's an okay idea. I think
2: so, too, and those are the discussions and debates we've been having. And um, it's been really good for building a a collegial atmosphere at Council.
1: All right, let's talk about, you know, it's uh, not over yet, the 2021, looking into 2022. What can we expect uh, from the Green Line project? And I know that it's one of those things that it seems like we've talked about it a lot, and then we have, you know, had a a bit of a lull when it came to the Green Line.
2: Well, when we talked about the Green Line, it tended to be quite contentious. So I'm happy we're not having those debates and fights anymore. Uh, Now that all three orders of government are on board with this project, I think we are just um, seeing and hearing not a lot because people are moving on with what needs to be done in terms of procurement and getting the line ready to go. My bigger concern continues to be making sure we have a proper cost estimate if there's more money available from other orders of government. So that's definitely something we'll be pushing.
0: Uh, Mayor, I wanted to just mention this one to you too. Somebody uh, texted in about, uh, you know, turning us into Van- East Vancouver with homeless camps. Thoughts on, on how things are progressing in terms of other ideas to help keep our homeless population warm, those who don't want to be in the, the, pr- the programs and the, and the shelters that we have right now.
2: It is an incredibly complicated issue, Sue, and it's one that um, keeps us up. Um, Just last night, I was asking the team to make sure that we have an update today on how we took care of people last night in this terrible weather. We continue to work with our supporting agencies, not only those who are providing shelter, but those who would provide longer-term housing. And probably most importantly, those groups that intervene when people have issues with mental health and addiction and can really get them into a safer place for themselves. It is not going to be easy, but I can tell you this council is committed to taking action.
1: Mayor Gondek, we have to take a quick break for traffic. Can you hang on for two more minutes with us?
0: I can. And we are back as well with Mayor Jody Gondek. Thank you for sticking around with us. I want to go back because this is the thing we're seeing the most on the text line today and, and really over the past couple of days, Mayor. So let's go back to uh, the potential plan to help fund a legal challenge to Quebec's Bill 21. Now, uh, a text here says, I have a problem with Quebec's bill. Yes, but the mayor doesn't have permission to spend our tax dollars on this issue. So can you explain if this were to go ahead and $100,000 from the City of Calgary was to go into this fund to help fight the bill. Where might that money come from? And what does that look like in terms of, you know, people saying that, you know, we've got an increase on our tax bills. So would that have any effect anywhere?
2: It's a really good question, too. And it's not something that we wish to do off the backs of Calgarians. That's the language that I've heard. And I've heard the language of sending money to Quebec. We're actually doing the opposite. We are sending money for an initiative to make sure that Quebec is not able to exercise this racist process that they've put into place. And the money that we are seeking to contribute with our partner municipalities will likely come from a reserve. We are in process of figuring out where it could come from. Uh, it will not add on to Calgary's tax bills, and it ultimately comes to about five cents per citizen. So we are still looking at where it would come from. We have not voted on it yet. It is not the mayor's decision. It is a council decision. It is something that's going to come forward and be debated on Monday.
1: I like that because, according to the text line, this is all your decision, one hundred percent. The council has no say whatsoever. So, thank you. You know for what? Up.
2: Everybody would run for mayor if you could do that <laughs> really really right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, unilaterally. There you go. Uh, I want to ask you this because we uh, last week, last Friday when we spoke with you, we didn't have this updated info. We did get it midweek uh, from the Premier as far as what uh, Christmas will look like. There were questions as to how much of an easing we will see. Still 10 people per household, but it can be different cohorts and you do not have to be vaccinated within that 10. Your thoughts on what the province has uh, opened up for the easing ahead of the holidays. I'd like to come up
2: with something very smooth to say, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say that it is bonkers to me that we continue to let unvaccinated people do whatever they want to. What is the purpose of that? What happened to the messaging around getting vaccinated will get us into recovery mode? We have lost the plot.
0: Mayor, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us as always on Fridays. Appreciate you clearing up issues when the texters have questions. So thank you so much and have a fabulous weekend.
2: Thanks for having me on. It's always good to hang out with my BFFs on a Friday morning. If I don't Get to talk to you
0: next Friday. I wish everyone a Merry Christmas and Happy Holiday Season. And to you as well, final shopping weekend before Old St. Nick shows up. So thanks so much for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek.
1: Yesterday, the United Kingdom reported the highest number of cases since the COVID-19 pandemic began with over 88,000 new cases, breaking the previous record set in January of this year. Health officials have confirmed the first death also connected to the Omicron variant on Tuesday. The country had massively accelerated its booster shot campaign in response. And to discuss the current state of COVID in the region, we are joined by Kenny James a UK broadcaster and business owner. Good morning to you, Kenny. Morning, Eddie. Kenny, listen, uh, thank you for joining us. And it's interesting, uh, not, uh, uh, not that we don't enjoy speaking with you, but it's been uh, a bit of a break because things <laughs> seem to have, you know, quieted down to a certain extent until the past uh, few weeks, really, Kenny. So can you give us an idea of what you're seeing over there beside the booster shot campaign increasing? What are restrictions like?
3: Well, this one came out of nowhere, Andy, as you know. It was only a matter of weeks ago, as you say, that this sort of name, Omni, first arrived, and it's now the the, the most virulent string uh, in the UK. Uh, Things were getting back to relative normal. Masks were being worn by those who chose to wear them, those who didn't, the majority, I guess, weren't wearing them. All of a sudden now, uh, in shops... You need to wear masks. It's, it's, it's uh, law over here now. Uh, also just introduced, as of last Friday, um, uh, sporting stadiums, over 10,000 people. Masks must be worn. Nightclubs, uh, take over five hundred people. Masks must be worn. For the moment, hospitality and restaurants and bars haven't been told that people have to wear masks. but uh, trades for the long taking one of the bars I have or restaurants I have were seventy percent down in terms of trade.
0: Wow, wow. Well, you know it, it, we're just reading that the the first Omicron case found november twenty seventh in the u k. So that's not a long time for it now to be you know literally being called as raging across the u k. at this point.
3: Yes, it's just going one now. soon, it's it's it came from nowhere and it's hit, hit everyone hard. Still, nobody really knows whether it's stronger or less strong than the Delta variant. But people are saying that the effects aren't quite as strong, but it's much more easy to catch and, and spreads much more quickly, which is what we're seeing now.
1: One of the things we're seeing here, Kenny, as uh, you know, we've been fortunate. To certain sections of the country seeing a real uptick in Alberta, a modest uptick at this point. We're hoping we can keep ahead of that, but. Uh, when we talk about the Christmas season, uh, whatever we set as far as limits in gatherings, there's a sentiment uh, and an underpinned, you know, a sentiment that you know, people aren't going to really follow the rules because they're fatigued and they're sick of it. What is the mentality of the people in the UK ahead of the holidays?
3: I think much like where you are, there's there's a a tiredness now. There's a COVID tiredness. And Prime Minister Boris Johnson's been very keen to say that he thinks we should have a good Christmas this year, bearing in mind last year that we were very restricted in what we could do and where we could go. But then Chris Whitty, who's the, the chief medical officer in the UK, who gives all the advice to the government, him and his panel, uh, he's saying that he thinks we really should restrict who we spend time with this festive period, keep things small, keep it close family, and uh, be, be careful where you go and who you associate with.
0: Kenny, experts are saying that Omicron spreading at a rate not seen with any previous variant, but that people are being a, a, you know, a, a little less concerned about it because of the report saying that it, it doesn't make you as sick as the other variants have. H- how is that affecting the healthcare care system there at this point, though? Do you know in terms of hospitalizations, is there any warning that the numbers are getting too high and, and might be overwhelming to the hospital system or healthcare care system at this point?
3: I was talking just this week, Sue, to, to a consultant medic over here. He works in the health system in the northwest of the UK and he says that, that as far as he's concerned they are already at capacity and that's before we've had the real potential growth in the omnivirus but is hospitals and the associated hospitals in his area are already working at 100% plus.
1: Mm. You know Kenny it's interesting because you would think and, and we got the, the idea here that businesses were, were starting to emerge and you know obviously some businesses lost during the pandemic but really starting to get some traction. So I'm wondering your viewpoint, what you're hearing from other business owners and you being in the hospitality industry, which would be, I'm sure, one of the busiest seasons of the year for you coming up here. What What are you hearing from the business owners who are th- thinking, you know, here we go again?
3: Well, in, in my sector, which is, as you say, hospitality, uh, we would hope to make enough money throughout December to trade us through January, February, which are quiet months for us. Um, some businesses are saying they are 80% down in trade. We're seeing about 70% fall. Um, uh, Rishi Sunak, who's our UK Chancellor of the Exchequer, has just come back from the US into the UK yesterday, and he says that he's going to be looking at some sort of help package for hospitality and those kind of businesses that, that are being hit really hard. The high street we will see in the coming weeks, because this week and next week are the big weeks, of course, pre-Christmas, for people shopping on the high street, and we'll see how they're affected in, in the next 10 days, I'll have a guess.
1: Let's talk about those packages as far as are they focused on, you know, helping to subsidize the cost of employees or is it the cost of of rent or leasing for some of these, uh, you know, uh, businesses, particularly if you're looking at a hotel or a restaurant?
3: He hasn't made the announcement as yet, Andy. Uh, We'll get some idea, I think, today or tomorrow. Uh, But they're looking at sort of reintroducing a a targeted furlough, again, where they'll pay part of the wages of some employees for certain kinds of businesses. And I'm sure there will be some sort of uh, aid package as well for the general businesses that that are going to be hit badly over the next six, eight weeks.
0: Kenny, do you think this gets people sort of, uh, you know, amped up to get a booster shot? And and is that something that the government is talking about and, and really sort of pushing right now for people?
3: Yeah, government's pushing hard on it, Um, but they're trying to get a million people a day now to get a booster in the UK. That's the target. It's that everybody that that, that wants one and is eligible for it, uh, provided, of course, you had your your, your two uh, previous jabs more than three months ago, uh, to get them all done by the end of December, which I think was the end of January, but Boris Johnson, Prime Minister, brought it forward so that everyone can get a a booster if they wish to, uh, and, and they are eligible before the end
1: of this month. Kenny, uh, thanks once again for your time. We appreciate the update, and uh, happy holidays Mm -hmm. uh, to you over there.
3: Thank you, guys. To you as
1: well. That is Kenny James, U.K. broadcaster and business owner. It's interesting. We've we've had the chance to talk with him, and we've seen some highs and lows, and a lot of the times they've been, you know, well, they have been ahead of us when it came to the vaccinations, when it came to the cases and the variants that Mm -hmm. have, have made their way through across the globe and it sounds like once again, they're ahead of us. So, is this, and we're seeing it in, uh, particularly in Ontario. I believe they had 2,400 new cases yesterday, 2,700 in Quebec. We've had uh, just under 500 yesterday. More restrictions in, in, in Ontario,
0: 50% yeah. capacity going into buildings, et cetera. We saw the Montreal Canadiens, nobody in the stands to watch the game the other night.
1: And that's a big question. Maybe we can even pose it to Dave in sports there because there are calls to, you know, maybe even put a pause on the NHL season. Maybe pull well, back what's on the happening flames.
0: to our flames organization. You know, right? I mean, the whole organization is pretty much wiped
1: out with positive testing. I think people have this trepidation to go back. But do we have any other option at this point? I don't know. I'm not saying and I know we might get those texts. Andrew, you just want to lock. I don't want to lock no. down. We never had a lockdown. But what do we do at this point? Uh, as we're hearing some countries saying that the boosters aren't going to be enough.
0: Unfortunately, we, we thought we were finished talking about this for a while, but yeah. COVID has reared its ugly head again with this Omicron variant. And they now say 70 times faster. That's how fast it spreads, 70 times faster than the delta in bronchial tissue. So there are great concerns that even though it doesn't seem to be as deadly, yeah, it spreads way, way faster. So, you know, I just think it just has to still stays top of mind. We still have to be careful.
1: Well, and here's, here's the real catch here. Uh team from the University of Hong Kong broke it down. And that one stat you have right on the money, 70 times quicker, the spread, uh, when you talk about the bronchial tissue. However, 10 times slower in lung tissue than the Delta variant. So the spread is there. Yeah. The severity not. But what this underscores, once again, when we've used that term, and it's another cliche, the pandemic of the unvaccinated, this won't have the severity. And if you've got the vaccination, great. But because it spreads so quickly, more people, and if you're one of those unvaccinated, this this could be the chance that you get uh, coronavirus.
0: And as we know, we have to watch those hospitalization numbers right now under control, but it can move pretty quickly. So be careful out there, friends. We are looking, obviously, south of the border right now. And earlier this week, boy, tornadoes that tore through Kentucky. Just horrific to see the aftermath. Details on recovery efforts and everything that's making headlines. Let's talk to Jackson Prosco uh, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Uh, it's a mouthful to get that out this morning, Jackson. Happy Friday to you. <laughs>
4: Good morning. Happy Friday.
0: Okay, so we'll talk COVID in a minute. But first off, let's talk about what happened in Kentucky. What's the latest on the recovery efforts? Those tornadoes were just unbelievable to watch how they just tore through the entire area.
4: Yeah, and we were there uh, as of uh, last weekend for a few days this week and it really was remarkable damage. I've certainly never seen anything like it before from a tornado. Usually you think of tornadoes being sort of spot damage where one block is hit or a couple houses on a block are hit and everything else is fine. And in this case, we went into towns like Mayfield, Kentucky where everything was gone whether it was houses, whether it was you know six and seven story brick buildings, whether it was uh, warehouses, everything was completely, completely flattened. So uh, we know that uh, there are more than Uh, 90 people confirmed dead in Kentucky alone at this point. That tornado was confirmed to be an EF4. That's four out of a scale of five for potential tornado strength. But I think two things make this remarkable. One, that it happened in December. And number two, that that main tornado that went through towns like Mayfield and Dawson Springs that flattened almost everything was on the ground for more than 300 kilometers.
1: Ooh, 300 kilometers on the ground for And, you know, this is uh, one of those areas that, you know, is used to some volatile weather. Um, You know, I I guess to a certain extent, it it could have been worse when you look at the pictures when it comes to life loss.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the governor of Kentucky put it quite right uh, when he was asked if people had enough warning. And he said, look, Mm -hmm. we need to accept that there are storms out there and there may be storms in the future that you simply cannot shelter against because they are so powerful and so unexpected. And I think that's what the situation was here.
0: Just shocking for sure. The devastation, boy, it's going to take a long time to clean up that mess and the loss of life astounding. Let's uh, move a, a little bit over towards the COVID talk because we certainly uh, can't avoid that with Omicron rearing its head really around the world at this point. So we're hearing down in the U.S. Dr. Anthony Fauci saying this week booster doses of Moderna and Pfizer will help. So is that getting people you know, in the mood to want to get that third shot?
4: You know, booster uptake is only around 30% in this country right now, but I'm hearing anecdotally that it's now getting hard to book a booster because there is suddenly so much interest in it. So that is perhaps good news. But the the cake is kind of baked here, I think, much like it is in parts of Canada with the massive surge that we're about to see in cases. And, uh, you know, we're seeing it in in city after city uh, already starting to set daily records for the pandemic, for the number of new infections. And of course, the question is, what happens to the hospitals? What happens to our ICU capacity as those numbers go up, especially because the U.S. has fallen so far behind on vaccination efforts. It's uh, something like number 52 or 54 in the world now when it comes to overall percentage of population vaccinated. And that is sort of an astonishing fall from grace when you consider that this is the country that led the development and deployment of the the vaccines uh, right around the world.
1: What's interesting to me, uh, Jackson, is I'm looking now on the worldometer that uh, estimates 820,000 deaths at this point. And other projections I'm looking at, Three out of six have over a million deaths by February. So I'm wondering, you know, if if these numbers are broadcast, if people understand how serious this is and and if we're seeing any changes, for example, here in in Canada, uh, the Montreal Canadiens games going to be without fans. Are there any changes at this point or does it look like a status quo when it comes to being out and about in public?
4: You know, it really depends on where you are. So we know that some shows in New York, for example, on Broadway have once again gone dark. Feels kind of like March 2020 again. Uh, We're seeing, uh, you know, professional sports leagues, the NFL, NHL, uh, NBA, all struggling with outbreaks on teams right now. And you have to wonder uh, how long it's sustainable for them to keep playing. Uh, Here, the Washington football team has 21 players on the COVID list right now. It's starting to get hard to put a team together to play at that point. So uh, I think it's only a matter of time before some restrictions are perhaps forced again. But at the same time, the attitude here in the U.S. is kind of uh, at this point, it's your own personal responsibility to make your own decisions about being vaccinated and your risk tolerance at this point. So we're not expecting widespread travel restrictions uh, here in Washington, D.C. They actually repealed the indoor mask mandate uh, at the end of November. And even though we set a uh, daily record for the pandemic for cases here yesterday, uh, there, there doesn't seem to be any talk at this point about bringing it back. So it really depends on where you are.
0: Jackson, is the COVID and, and now Omicron, is it, is it being politicized anymore or is is that still an issue in terms of red versus blue states and who's getting vaxxed and who's not?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, going back to the top of our conversation, I can tell you uh, in Kentucky, it is though COVID does not exist. I mean, people do not wear masks. Uh, they shame people who wear masks sometimes. And uh, the vaccination rate there is substantially lower. The case rate there is substantially higher. And there is sort of a, a general correlation you can make between uh, the level of death and infection in places that voted for Donald Trump versus in the places that voted for Joe Biden. And that has generally carried on throughout the course of the pandemic.
1: You mentioned uh, Donald Trump. And, you know, it's interesting. You can't look back on 2021 without looking back to January 6th, the insurrection, uh, leaving a scar on the U.S. And now it's uh, President Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, in the headlines. What is the latest there?
4: Yeah, he is, of course, uh, uh, subject to uh, potential contempt charges by the Justice Department for his failure to cooperate with the Congressional Committee that's investigating January 6th. But I think the interesting thing that emerged this week are his text messages from that day, which show him texting with unnamed lawmakers, with Fox News hosts. The general theme was that they were all texting him saying... Please get the president to talk down his supporters, to stop this, to end this. One of those texts even came from Donald Trump Jr. Of course, we know the accusations from Trump against Trump previously from some of his sort of past uh, associates are that he acts like a mob boss, according to them, where he doesn't actually put anything in writing himself. He has people to do that for him. And so I think you're going to see the committee try and essentially make the link that Meadows was the conduit to Trump here, and that if people like Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and Donald Jr. are texting Mark Meadows saying, tell him to make this stop that he had control over what was happening uh, by his supporters on january 6th i think that's this the sort of allegation that you'll see come forward
0: we've actually been seeing donald trump donald trump's name in the tabloids a little bit more than normal of late another one that i saw was that he's accused now of inflating the value of his assets in order to defraud lenders what's the latest on that one
4: yeah, I mean, there, there's sort of a litany of uh, civil cases underway. Uh, there are probes into the dealings of the Trump organization, and this sort of fits in that vein. It's really kind of questions about his business conduct, whether there was fraud, uh, whether there was uh, financial wrongdoing. All these things are sort of putting pressure on Trump. And then, of course, you've got to question whether there may be charges stemming from the January 6th inquiry as well. So I think he's facing a lot of pressure in a lot of different ways. I don't think anybody knows whether it will actually amount to anything in the future.
1: Jackson, thank you so much for your time, and uh, have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. That is Jackson Prosco, a Washington Bureau Chief for Global News.
0: Well, we know today that the rapid test kits are supposed to be rolled out to select pharmacies around the province. uh, Rapid COVID test kits. And joining us to talk about these, Amin Kanji, pharmacist and owner of The Medicine Shop. Good morning to you, Amin. Thanks for being with us.
5: Good morning. Good morning, Sue. How are you?
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for talking about these rapid test kits. Okay, so do you have yours in pharmacy already?
5: Uh, not yet. Yeah. No, no, okay. not yet. The phone calls have started. Um,
0: People want but them, but you not, guys don't have them.
5: I don't have. I haven't received them yet. Uh, I'm expecting them today, hopefully, and uh, fingers crossed, they should be. Uh, rolling into my store uh i'm hoping by uh, by noon today
0: so weren't they supposed to be in store ready for rollout this morning wasn't that what we heard from the they province? were
5: and i have spent uh, hours on the phone yesterday trying to figure out where they are and no answers yet
1: all right i mean let's talk about these tests a couple months ago i had a sore throat and mm-hmm. uh, so i had my first ever covid uh, 19 test It was uh, fortunately i was negative um and it was, I'm, I'm going to say this right now, it was the most uh, unpleasant experience of my life, having that mm-hmm. three-meter rod drummed up my nose. What, what what do these tests look like? And, uh, you know, I'm interested to know how we use them because, you know, in the hands of a professional, I, I feel comfortable. Is this something that right. the average person will have no issue with? So it's, it's
5: pretty easy to follow. I mean, as long as you follow the instructions that's included in the tests, uh, they are the nasal swab tests. Uh, obviously, you know, you do have to follow the instructions uh, to a T. Uh, You have to be able to read the results, which, uh, you know, you can get inconclusive results as well. Um, But again, it's all in in how you perform the tests and and being familiar with, uh, you know, how to read them and how to perform them. And if you do them, you know, the proper way, you should be able to get uh, a proper result, whether it be negative, positive. You do sometimes, you know, may get an inconclusive result as well, which means that you have to retest again.
0: So, could you kind of explain what it looks like? Is it like a giant Q-tip? You just kind of swab the inside of your lower nose.
5: That's right. Yeah. So it's got a it's got a little bit of a, a like a small uh, plastic test tube. It's got a buffer solution. So you got to add the buffer solution into the little test tube, um, and then you do a nasal swab. You do a nasal swab in each nostril uh, for about five seconds, and uh, then you put the uh, a large cotton Q-tip uh, into the uh, test tube. Uh, you let it sit for about one to two minutes, um, and then there's a little stopper you put on top. Uh, you get a little um, uh, diagnostic sort of—I uh, uh, I guess it's—it's it's like a—it's like a diagnostic kit where you have to put three drops of the solution. Uh, you let it run for about uh, fifteen minutes or so, and then you look for the results. And the results are typically if you took get two solid lines. It indicates a positive test. If you get one line at the C, which is the control solution, it's a negative test. And if you get a line at the T, uh, it's an inconclusive test where you have to repeat the test again. Mm.
1: Interesting. i just, just wondering because Sue underscored the lower part of the nostril, so we're not sticking them straight up to to our... um,
0: To your brain brain area? No,
5: no, no. We want to to maintain your brain function as as well as
0: possible. Fair enough. Because you'll
5: need need that to repeat the
0: test. (laughs) Again and again and again, more than likely. Okay, so if folks are looking for these rapid tests, they should call ahead to their pharmacy, check that they have them, because as far as we know, we've got some texts in and people saying, yeah, pharmacy near them doesn't have them either yet. We'll send folks to you, though, at the Medicine Shop Pharmacy, I'm in 1935-37. Street, Southwest. Amin also gives a great flu shot and a great COVID vax if you're looking for those as well. So thank you, sir, for joining us. Appreciate it. No Have worries. a great weekend.
1: Take care, you too. Okay, bye-bye. Amin Kanji, pharmacist and owner at The Medicine Shop in the Southwest. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.
1: And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 5.30 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.